1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10
0: for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Welcome one, welcome all. It is Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. It is 7.08 p.m. Central Standard Time. And because my son threw a fit, we are eight minutes late it is the blog of the boys roundtable you can watch our show live every single tuesday evening you can catch the rewatch at your own convenience you can also listen to this show on the blog of the boys podcast network you can he i was gonna say here you can hear see or read all of these fine gentlemen all across the blog of the boys pages podcasts videos whatever all throughout the blog of the boys universe let's get started at our six o'clock position Well, I guess six and twelve just kind of depends how you look at it it is the one and only tony catalina tony uh thank you for joining us um what did you eat for lunch
0: Man, um I actually cares. made
2: brandon clements joining us Perfect. next in the top right corner uh brandon uh you look sparkling as always is that a seattle seahawks jersey kind of looks like one of those
1: nah salute the truth man gotta re- represent
2: is this a this year's version of of the uh, salute to service jersey or we, i'm not sure my here?
1: wife got it for a good deal so i can't i'm not sure i'm sure i'm probably gonna say last year
2: Okay. Doesn't matter. It looks sharp. Nonetheless, uh, wearing a CD lamb Jersey. Uh, I can't wait to debate whether or not he has established himself as a wide receiver. One, it is the one and only David Howman, who was a guest on this week's episode of the Riders block with Brandon Laurie and Jess Navarro. Brandon. Uh, David, what do you think that, uh, Tony had for lunch?
3: I feel like he had a roast beef sandwich. Was that true? Tony.
0: It's close. I had a steak, uh, a cheesesteak.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So. Okay.
2: Uh, Boston cheesesteak sandwich. Um, Bit of a different thing. Um, AJ, by the way, getting the party started off early says five points to Howman for the jersey. No love to Brandon for his jersey, by the way. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Mark says five points to the entire panel for not listening to their caution last week. I drank RJ's Kool Aid and Green Bay did it to us again. I should have known better. We'll get to that. Uh, Ron the Don, by the way, Howman said, Loved you on the writer's block. So, uh, shout out to you, Howman. Uh, wearing a hood, uh, it is Danny Phantom, Dan Rogers, as um, like the legal system knows him i guess uh but we know him as danny phantom dan are you feeling better from your illness uh the plight that you were experiencing last week
4: i had a sandwich too (laughs) okay uh what what kind was it it was a turkey sandwich okay what goes on that for you lettuce and tomato
2: no cheese it had cheese what kind of cheese uh it had cheddar cheese Okay, so um, just, you know, for it had, purposes of... Had, had mustard, too, and that's all. Okay, for the purposes of the discussion, uh, the most recent episode uh, for anybody on their podcast network or on their YouTube channel feed, uh, if you are subscribed here to Blog of the Boys, is an interview that I had with Dallas Cowboys cornerback Trayvon Diggs. Everybody, please go listen to that, watch that. I asked Trayvon, Tony, I know you listened, uh, what he had had for lunch. Um, I recorded that with him at 12.45 Central Standard Time, which is his time zone. Um, can you please tell everybody what Trayvon said?
0: He ate pizza <laughs> for breakfast. No oh, lunch. Yeah,
2: yeah. He said he had not had lunch yet; that it was not lunchtime, despite the fact that it was twelve forty-five, um, <laughs> and that he had had pizza for breakfast. And then I followed up and said, "We're talking like a breakfast pizza, because some people do that, like some sort of like bacon and sausage, you know, kind of thing." And he said, "No." Um, he said it was Domino's. Um, then he said he threw it in his air fryer, which is kind of a a you know pro move uh aj has yeah. given um trayvon five points for that um so um so yeah um let's see here we have some points to hand out ethan has given five points to whataburger what i am representing with my t-shirt for the podcast audience ron the don has given you brandon five points for the troops you are saluting um the uh servicemen and women of our great country uh kevin says i feel brandon is pandering for points with the jersey plus five it worked again so how not pandering even though hellman is um wearing a jersey as well uh, Rachel Adams, who I think you know, Tony, uh, has uh, given five points to uh, Brandon's wife for getting the deal on the jersey. Um, and uh, yeah, Joseph, by the way, says great interview, great cause, digging the brothers. Uh, Trayvon Diggs was representing um, sax underwear. It was a very interesting uh, promotional item to read through. I will say that um anyway all right so um i have a bit of a twist on the points if everybody's ready because i was late and it's my fault not everybody else's i haven't had a chance to consult with any of these people so dan what do you think the twist is going to be
4: oh brother uh, um twist you're gonna ha- let us steal points from people no that would be stupid
2: um i'm not in the well, mood to do i went something. with stupid. stupid okay well all right that's fine um you know No, nobody's given you any points yet so far, Danny. Uh, You have come in with a hood. So like a bit of an attitude. I like that, though. I want to see that. I want to I want to see some some, you know, fighting happening here. Here's the deal, boys. All right. So generally speaking, you guys kind of land somewhere in in the the range of 50 points a game. Um, That's kind of where y'all at. The first person to reach 30 points on the evening, 30 organic points, um, will have to duel the person who at that point in time has the fewest amount of points. Does that make sense? You with me so far? Whoever wins the duel will get half of their opponent's point total at that point in time. Alright, so you with me there? All I right, think this now, is an awesome idea. Great idea. Thank RK. you very much, Howman. That is a five-point <laughs> head start for you. Uh, <laughs> now... Um, the next person, or the person who reaches 40 organic points first, so you can't include um, the, the points, have, you know, one in the duel, if 30-point winner gets that that far, um, will have to duel the same thing. Duel the person who has the fewest amount of points to that point. That's a weird word to use here, I recognize. Uh, it's a bit of a flustering minute for me having come in here after putting the baby to sleep, so, you know, forgiveness to me. Um, anyway, there will be two duels tonight. The people who will decide the duels are the two people not involved. Now, if you two, whoever you are, cannot reach a consensus decision, all of your points will be split between the two people who just dueled. Does everybody understand the rules? It got too complicated. You know what, Danny? I think you're going to be somebody who's deciding, you know. I'm going for last place so I can
4: duel someone.
2: That's an interesting twist. I kind of like that. Um, Baylor Kim, by the way, Danny, has said minus five for Dan for his awful Tony Pollard tweet. What was the tweet in question? So we all know it, Dan. I don't remember. Well, what are your thoughts on Tony
4: Pollard? Let's start right there. I think he's fantastic. And uh, okay. So basically, it was like, you know, his yards per carry dropped to a, a mediocre 5.2 in this last game. And this is the first, you know, he had 22 carries. So I just, I basically, proposed the question you know is it possible with more carries that Pollard you know loses a little juice and granted it was silly to do that on a 5.2 uh, yards per carry game so uh, yeah it was a I was uh, basically I was trying to ask something but then I just didn't articulate it in the right way so uh, you know I got I got some good responses
2: um. Okay. Well, you know what? At least we got that out of the way. Uh, Tony, let's let's start. We And by the way, the dual subjects have already been set. Um, so I'm very excited for those dual subjects. Again, first person to reach 30 points will get there when we do. My dog is making himself cozy, by the way, in the background. That's that noise. Uh, Tony, let's start with you. The Dallas Cowboys on Tuesday afternoon brought in a new wide receiver. Joseph, by the way, has given you, Tony, five points for having a good Wi-Fi connection, which was not the case on Monday's episode of First and Ten. So the Cowboys have a new tight end or goodness gracious. They have a new wide receiver. They technically made two moves. The Cowboys put Alec Lindstrom, who you know well, Tony, on injured reserve and went ahead and released Mike Tafua. They have brought in Brock Hoffman and Antonio Callaway to their practice squad. No offense to Brock, uh, but nobody really cares. Everybody's all on the Odell Beckham Jr. train except for Danny Phantom. So do you believe that the, the signing of Antonio Callaway means that the Cowboys have moved on and are out of the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes?
0: I do not. I think it um it's totally separate. I think this is a little bit of roster churning, and I'm actually really intrigued by it. I think Antonio Call- Callaway kind of puts um guys like Jalen Tolbert in those back end receivers kind of on notice a little bit. Um, Antonio Callaway is a athletic guy that can make plays. I mean he he did have one quality season where he had over 500 uh, receiving yards he had five touchdowns and i believe it was in the range of 40 receptions and and that was in 2018 now whether it be off-field uh, issues or injuries um antonio callaway really hasn't been productive and really hasn't been in the league at all since 2020 so i i'm i do think that antonio callaway brings something to this team if he can keep his head on straight if you know there is value in bringing in this guy from a practice card practice squad standpoint and if you actually look at James Washington's best numbers and Antonio Callaway's one real season it's pretty comparable so um, I don't think to answer the question this is anything OBJ related but I am intrigued by the signing
2: so I think we all agree. Can I get some head nods? This has nothing to do with Otto Beckham Jr. My dog, seriously, trying to make himself very comfortable. I understand it's very noisy. It's been a hectic 10 minutes, if that isn't obvious uh, in my house. I'm very anxious to get started here. Um, so we all agree, right? This has nothing to do with this. You know, we don't need to read into this as, like, the Cowboys are out on Otto Beckham Jr. Um, Howman, should we read into this? Um as the Cowboys maybe being a little bit concerned about Jalen Tolbert, Kevin offers plus five points to Tony because Tolbert needs to be on notice. Um, Jalen Tolbert lined up offsides on offense as a wide receiver in overtime in a critical game. One of the most unforgivable things that anybody can do in an NFL game.
3: Um, I, I'm not sure if it's necessarily putting him on notice. Um, wow. Especially because the Cowboys, I mean, they worked out Antonio Callaway before the Packers game. So he was already on their radar. Um, This is just when they actually made the move. So I don't think that it necessarily has anything to do with Tolbert and his penalty in in the Packers game. Um, But it is, you know, they're going to obviously bring him in and they're going to see what Callaway can do. As Tony mentioned, you know, he he has shown some promise in the brief opportunities he's had in the past. And with Tolbert, I mean, he's still not quite there yet. And he had a big mistake in the in the Packers game. Um, So it could be towards that. You know, he's getting put on notice, but I don't think that that's the motivation for the signing.
2: Um, so first of all, AJ has said that Tolbert was off sides while you were speaking, Halman. So, um, tough scene, uh, right there. Danny Kevin says we should be asking have the Cowboys given up on Washington coming back this year? The original reported time frame for James Washington returning was the month of October, it is November 15th. Um, so that is clearly not happening. Do you, I mean, again, I, I don't think any of us want to read super into the Antonio Callaway thing but do you think it's fair to, to at least ask the question that maybe the Cowboys are considering that he won't play for them this season
4: yeah I think it's fair I mean I, I can't find anything on him I mean I'm trying to figure out when's he coming back what's going on uh I'm still a little bit hopeful because you know you know Washington is a, is a downfield threat and I think that's what what um Callaway brings to I, I went back and looked and I remember writing about him when he's coming out and I went back and looked and he was 101 on my drop board. He was like six spots ahead of Cedric Wilson. And so, I mean, he definitely, he's the type of player that, you know, that you could get, you know, uh, a deep, a deep ball too. And, uh, but I do think that's, that's probably a whole lot nothing. I agree with, I mean, Tony and, and Howman, I mean, they said everything correctly. It's, and in both of the responses. Uh And I, I don't, I'm not reading anything to the, to Tolbert being in the doghouse. This, this is just a guy that's got speed. And, um, you know, he's they'll take a look at it. But I I don't I don't think that there's anything that we should expect from this.
2: All right, first fastball down the plate goes to Brandon Clements. Um, we were dancing around the Jalen Tolbert question. Um, this was a controversial subject on the post game show that I did here on the YouTube channel. Um, everybody's going to get a turn here, but Brandon, you do get the first swing. Did you buy Jalen Tolbert's explanation for lining up offsides? We've made some jokes about it, but Jalen Tolbert came out and said he checked with the official. The official even told him to scoot up. Uh, Dak Prescott corroborated this story, um, but Brandon, to some, this seemed indicative of the same sort of culture that was blaming officials granted Jalen Tolbert wasn't on last year's team uh, but after the team lost in the wild card round to the 49ers
1: yeah to me I'm not buying it to be honest with you I I think I think it's at the end of the day you need to look and see where the ball is that's that's the most important thing I wouldn't be asking the ref Uh, that's that's not the ref's job to be doing that kind of stuff so I wouldn't be asking the ref you should be looking where the ball is and making sure you're you know you're lined up correctly so I you know, I, I mean, this adds up to all these different things that Jalen Tober, You know, he's been a disappointment this year as a third-round pick. It's it's not it's not a good look for him, and it was a very costly penalty. So, I mean, obviously, there's been a few mental mistakes not only from him, but in this Packers game, there was there was a lot of mistakes that you know ended up being the the downfall of the Cowboys this week, and and you know, really quick with the Antonio Callaway. I mean, the, the kid the kids a, he's a talented player. He just hasn't gotten enough run uh, in the NFL. He was a talented player at the University of Florida, and he just, of course, unfortunately had some uh, some issues, some red flags. But I'm curious to see what that does for the Cowboys. Again, it's not going to affect OBJ in any way, shape, or form. So, but uh, I mean, Tolbert Tolbert is already squarely in the in the doghouse for not only a lot of fans, but I feel like I feel like some of the coaches are not too happy with him, honestly. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get his act together. He's, he's gone in a year or two.
2: Tony, um, do you? Agree or do you disagree that there are two sort of, for lack of a better word, crimes here, lining up offsides, glaringly offsides, and then, you know, not fessing up. I mean, you know, those are he was clearly offsides like that crime. I think we all acknowledge was it was committed, uh, but but not fessing up, lying, you know, whatever, coming up with an excuse like that is a whole different thing. That's sort of doubling down on the mistake, if you will.
0: Yeah. I think you, the, the lie part is the crazy part because you said it, it's an absolute lie. I mean, he didn't, the fundamental wide receiver thing to do is to check it with the line judge every single snap it's been done since wee football. He didn't do it until about a second and a half before the ball was snapped. So he looked, he looked to this line judge and then realized he had to back up. And I honestly thought in the moment they were going to flag him for a false start because he was shuffling at the line, like when the, when the ball was snapped. So for him to come over the sideline, it felt like a kid who got in trouble with his parents. It was like, I, I did what he asked. You know, I, I did what they told me to do. And it's like, you know, in the moment he made a mistake. And honestly, I really wish they would have called it a false start because we would have never seen the subsequent like run that he put away. So like give it a false start. The play never happened. But yeah, no, it's tough. He lied and he made a mistake. And it was really football one on one.
2: Danny, I am putting you in charge for the next five minutes while I go check on my crying son. Um, The floor is yours.
4: Okay. So, you know, one thing I noticed about that play too, is actually they said off sides, but they, they were doing the legal motion. So, I mean, I think he, we, we all saw it that he, you know, he, he, he was looking toward the, the ref and then he, he moved back at the last second. And I don't think that Tolbert's deliberately lying. I think that he is, I think he lined up poorly and he was, you can see his face was looking at the, at the official. So he was trying to get a square, but, uh, but I don't think it was like, to me, I don't think he's just making stuff. I just think he just didn't, he wasn't where he's supposed to be. And, uh, you know, that's, I just think that's just, um, you know, a rookie mistake. Uh, Halman, do you you agree with what I just said? Or,
3: Yeah, I think I generally agree. For me, the bigger question, though, is why is he on the field at that point in overtime in such a critical moment? You know, the, the coaches have pretty much straight up said, like, he's not ready. That's why he's not playing very much. Um, and even in this game, you know, he did, he played, I think eight snaps. Most of them were, he was run blocking and he was doing that on this play. But if you're, if you have a player that you don't think is ready to get a full workload, why do you have him on the field in overtime in a critical game when you need, you know, you need to go down and score a touchdown to, to win the game. Um, so I think, you know, obviously it's a learning moment for Tolbert and it's something for him to grow from as a rookie. You're going to have moments like that in, in a variety of ways. But I mean, Kellen Moore has been the offensive coordinator for a while now. Mike McCarthy has been the been a head coach for a long time. Just not just in Dallas. Like they should know better than to put someone like that out there when they've admitted that he's not ready.
4: Yeah, I I don't know. I, I heard McCarthy kind of, you know, answer that question to it. I mean, I'll be the first to to take an opportunity to criticize McCarthy. I don't know. I, I think to me that's. I mean, what were they going to ask him to do? He did he. I, I, I honestly, looking back, I can't see the sequence of plays as far as how they were rotating people in. So I don't know. I don't know exactly why they decided to put him in. But I, I'm not I'm not mad at a coach for putting in a playing a rookie, you know, because we you know that they're supposed to play and you, you expect them to, to line up and, and do what he's supposed to do. So to me, I'm not I'm not critical of the coaching staff in there. I just think that was just one of those things that had just had a bad result. But um, but one thing that I did want to ask you guys about, and I didn't know if RJ is going to mention, but just the penalties in itself, and the fact that the Cowboys are constantly, you know, upset about them, are you a little worried that things aren't being corrected, and they're just we're having this kind of mindset where it's just we're the victims, and because we're seeing all the time, Don, Dono's knocking people out out of bounds. You see these these really untimely penalties. I mean, I don't feel like that there's enough emphasis being put on this to get these resolved and and i'm i don't know and and every time every presser we're hearing mccarthy he's just i don't know he's angry at the at the officials and i just i don't like it one bit. that's the one of the things that really upsets me about mccarthy but uh what you know tony what do you think about that
0: yeah, it's for me, I think the excuses with the actual actions is in, in total, in totality is totally unacceptable. Like I look at CJ Goodwin as a guy that's a leader of this team, you know, somebody that's been around for a long time in special teams for him to get that penalty in overtime or just to even put himself in that situation is just like an unconscious, like unbelievable mistake. I know I ended up being offsetting and it didn't cost anything, but in that moment to react in that situation, I think this team has struggled at times with lacking situational awareness where like what what is the point of some of these penalties why act out in this like type of manner we used to see it and i know it's not this year's problem but we used to see randy gregory do that all the time where he would just make emotional like mistakes and you're just like this isn't the time for that man like this and it's just like you said it starts from the coaching staff and we saw the blaming after the 49ers game and it really hasn't changed too much like that's a super frustrating thing where um I think this team is talented. I just don't know where they're at mentally, if they can put it all together to like understand that, you know, they got to take responsibility. They got to go out there and execute. And if they don't, you end up losing to a team on a five game winning, I mean, losing streak. So yeah, it's so, it's so frustrating, but this is who this team has shown us to be over the last couple of years.
4: Brandon, do you have any thoughts on the Cowboys complaining about penalties and
1: Yeah, it's to me, it's it's a little ridiculous. I mean, to Tony's point, we're an uber talented team all the way, you know, all the way down to the last man on the roster. And these mental mistakes are just they're they're costly. They're going to cost us even more games if we keep it up. I'm not I'm not one of those people that I'm just going to sit here and and blame the refs on things. Sure, they're going to make bad calls. I mean, they're, they're human by nature. These some of these calls are a little questionable. But to complain about it, it's to me it's a little ridiculous and, and, and just getting all hot and heavy about it. I, I don't I don't agree with that. Sure. I I, I was kind of mad at, at the Calvin Joseph play during the game. And like especially on you know on that on that pump on that punt return, I didn't see a penalty committed by Calvin Joseph. I know I've been very, very hard on Calvin Joseph all season for for his lack of awareness and just, just making mental mistakes, but he didn't I didn't see anything wrong on that play, and I could see why McCarthy was mad. But at the end of the day, you have to you have to move on to the next play. You can't let it drag out because when when you let it drag out, it's going to cause more mental errors, and and that's and that equals out to losing football games. And we saw enough mental errors in Week Ten here against the a Packer team that should have been defeated soundly. And not only that, we lose in overtime. Like it's to me, it's overall it's just not a it's not a good look across the board. It needs to be corrected, or we're going to see another. One and done playoff run if we make
4: it. Howman, one w- one of the things I loved about Jason Garrett is in his press conference he he would re- absolutely refuse to discuss anything involving the officiating. He just he wouldn't complain about him. And as much as the the media really tried to to bait him, uh, McCarthy's a little different. Um, but one thing I, you know, I know I want you to answer this question. I think when the Cowboys are winning, anyone's a good head coach, and when they're losing, everyone hates them. But but do you think McCarthy is a guy that can uh, run this team under adversity when, when things go a little bit not so good? And uh I mean how, what are your feelings on McCarthy if, if things get a little bumpy between now and compost season?
3: Well, I definitely think he can manage through adversity. I mean, we saw it earlier this year when, when Dak Prescott went down. They you know they went four and one with Cooper Rush. Um the penalty thing is is kind of it's really hard to figure out because it's been a consistent problem. You know, they were the most penalized team in the NFL last year. Um, They're not the most penalized team this year, although they're still drawing penalties at a much higher rate than, than they should be. Um, But I think, uh, you know, with some of the players complaining, I understand like why, you know, why it comes up and why they want to voice that frustration, especially because, you know, for us watching, you know, the Kelvin Joseph penalty where, they called a blindside block and he's hitting the guy as he's facing him or, or the no call on the pass interference or even the Jalen Tolbert offsides. Like he was clearly offsides, but you know, I kept thinking why do the Cowboys always get these penalties that you hardly ever hear get called? When was the last time you saw a wide receiver get called for being offsides, you know, or the, the snap infraction against Washington a few years ago, or uh, oddly enough, against Green Bay when they got penalized for, Having too many men in the huddle, and I I had never even heard of that penalty until they called it. Um, so it, it it's frustrating because it feels like a lot of times these penalties that don't often get called or that when you see it on the replay it looks like it wasn't actually a penalty, it feels like it's always happening to the Cowboys. So it I understand the frustration, but like everybody else has said, when it happens and you're you know you're passionate about it and you're upset, like you got to move on to the next play and you got to overcome that. Um, and I do think you know, when we're talking about the Tolbert penalty on the very next play, they ran a play and got a first down. So they were able to move on. They've shown an ability more this year than I think in recent years to where they have been able to move on somewhat. Um, But obviously when you lose and you're reflecting on all that, the, you know, the tension just comes right back.
2: I'm back and I'm just going to make up points for what happened while I was gone and assign them to you randomly. Is that fair?
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Who
2: made who made the best points while I was gone? I will rely on the chat, um, but I'll take each of your votes. Tony, who do you think made the best points?
0: Uh, it's gonna be tough, but I think I may have made the best points.
2: <laughs> Brandon, who do you think made the best points?
1: Oh God, it's, it's gonna be a cop out, but I think everybody made it, made very valid points. I can't really give it to anybody.
2: Um, Halman, who do you think made the best points?
3: <laughs> I think I think Dan made some good points, and he did a good job of uh, steering the ship.
4: And Dan, who do you believe made the best points? Well, I didn't make any points because I was just directing questions to people. Um, but since Halman said such nice things about me, I'm going to go with Tony.
2: Um, so Kevin <laughs> said Dan and Tony, just so we're all clear. Um, Mark said plus five to Howman, overcome, not Pat. I don't know exactly what that's in relation to, but it sounds interesting. Uh, Kenny says Tony. He always does. So Tony, um, look at that. Um, let's see here. Kenny also in caps, Tony Orlando says, Halman AJ Halman and Tony Uh, Ron, the Don says Halman and Dan did great. Kevin's has minus five to Brandon for not picking. Um, (laughs) And I'm going to go with Joseph uh, says plus five to Dan and plus five to Tony. See that seems kind of like the most fair um, overall assessment based on what everybody had to say. AJ does add another five to captain Danny. Uh, So that being said, um, Brandon, why didn't you pick?
1: I don't know. I, I thought everybody made a good point. I was I mean, everybody had very similar quality points. I mean, there's I mean, there wasn't too much to gloss over. Everybody made a good point.
2: um so as I buy time to kind of stabilize the waters here, um let's let's go around the bend. Tony, did Monday night expose the Eagles for the frauds that they are? if you guys didn't already touch the subject?
0: We did not touch the subject. Thank you very then.
2: much. All right. F- five points for confirming that, continue
0: but i think i think this is kind of what we saw coming for the eagles i think there was a few games where they escaped by the skin of their teeth and uh, yeah i think this team is flawed i mean obviously they are eating one and your record says you are what you are right but at the same time uh this game it was coming along you know it was coming for a while now um they weren't going to go undefeated i don't know if anybody truly believed that um yeah and you know you could say you're chalking up a little bit to being a division game and those games are played you know typically close but um there's definitely some things that the Eagles shown and other teams have seen now that um, can be exposed. I mean, when things aren't going perfectly well, then then they don't have that second quarter of football where they have like an offensive onslaught. They can be had. And, you know, Heineke is that type of quarterback um, that he just was scrappy and he was out there fighting and making plays. And um, ultimately, yeah, the, the, this Eagles team is beatable. They always have been beatable. And now we finally get to see it.
2: Brandon, did you feel like Philadelphia got, what he had coming for a while
1: hundred percent and actually Tony you stole my uh, you stole my thunder with the uh, Heineke comments because I've always thought he was a scrappy player and, and and as a Cowboys fan I'm I'm very happy when Wentz plays the Cowboys I, I'll just say that so I mean when Heineke when Heineke's playing for the commanders I think they're just a better football team I think you know Gibson Gibson and Robinson or I think are a decent duo and the Philadelphia Eagles I've I'll call, I'll call it as I see it, they're frauds. I don't, you know, I don't see them making a deep run in the playoffs. I don't care about their record. They've been very beatable all season. I think they've kind of been, they've kind of, I feel like they've kind of lucked into it a little bit. That's just my take. And I think when, when Dallas and Philly plays, uh, you know, at the end of the year, it's going to be a different story with that Dak Prescott under uh, under center. So I, I'm not, I think Philly's Philly to me, is just frauds. And honestly, if I had to pick a team aside from the Cowboys, I think, I think the Giants are a team that I, I feel like can, can do some damage, especially considering the, the coaching, the coaching and the players they have on the team.
2: I think what was lost in last night's like Cowboys, Eagles fans, just hating one another is the Giants control their own destiny. hundred percent against the Eagles, yeah. given that they still play them twice so far this season. Um, How many you have hated the Eagles all season long. Uh, you never, ever, ever bought in. Um, there was a study released last week by NFL operations that showed that the Eagles, the commanders and giants actually, are among the luckier teams in the NFL. Luck defined by fumble recoveries and dropped passes, dropped interceptions, things like that. It's a it was a really interesting thing. And of course, the moment I tweeted about Haman, all these Eagles fans, are like Cowboys fans, just make anything up. Like this is objective fact. Um, so in that sense, Haman, do you feel like the Eagles got objective fact checked on Monday night?
3: <laughs> yeah, it was real satisfying, real vindicating to watch. Um, obviously, it's always fun when the Eagles lose, but especially when their first loss of the season comes against. A team with a losing record coming into the game, uh, a backup quarterback, and it was also it was also kind of a, a nice touch of irony that not only did the Eagles lose and they lost, you know, on primetime television, but you know it was also kind of a blow to Carson Wentz, the formerly the the star of the Philadelphia Eagles. So it was kind of a double whammy for for that franchise. Um, but yeah, I mean, like like Tony and Brandon have said, you know, this team has been beatable for a while, and you know, coming into the game, they had some like. Uh, astronomical turnover differential that you know having that high of a number so early in the season was just crazy and it kind of highlights just how lucky they've been and they were not that lucky in this game and they didn't have that kind of uh turnover differential that we've seen them have for most of the year um so far and you know that kind of their luck ran out and they lost a game to a team they should have beat real easily
2: while you're answering that howman kevin said can luck be an objective fact i mean It depends how you define that, but it can be, right? It can be the way you said. I mean, you know, you look at last night and, you know, A.J. Brown has has a bad moment and that leads to a turnover. And then the Quez Watkins fumble at the end. And Eagles fans today are sitting here saying like, oh, well, you know, that was just an unlucky thing. Yeah, well, how many unlucky things have happened to like a billion different teams? And like how many lucky things have happened to a billion different things? To your point, the Eagles had had been on the right side of all of those breaks to this point in the season. And regression always comes uh, for everyone. It has come for Trayvon Diggs, again, friend of the show. Uh, but it, it will come. For every single person, Dan, um, as we get set for our first duel here, and these points will decide the way it goes. uh, There were a lot of Cowboys fans lamenting the loss, saying, oh, man, it means nothing because we lost on Sunday afternoon. No, it means everything, Dan. I mean, because now all the Eagles have to do is lose once more. This was a it wasn't just that the Eagles lost, Dan. And and I know you know this. It was that they lost to a divisional opponent that in and of itself opened the door for the Cowboys to overtake them and the Giants to that matter as well
4: absolutely and that's why had we taken care of business in lambo we would we would control our own destiny for that exact reason you know the giants so, would too to that point but like you're right yeah and, and so i think that i mean it, it's it's kind of looking back it sucks that we lost It kind of adds more in, you know it makes it um suck even worse because the, you know, the eagles lost and then we could that they we could be in that position but i think it also speaks to the fact that This is a tough division, and we're going to play each other really tough. And there's a lot of games, I mean, especially the Giants, they got to play. I think they play, if I'm not mistaken, both Washington and Philly twice so just to
2: that point and this is something i touched on with brandon gotton on the nfc's mixtape that will drop tomorrow the giants play five divisional games in a row dan um and the commanders actually played the giants twice in a row their buy is sandwiched in between those games weird um but but that is you know we talk so much about to your point like these teams know each other that is a really almost unique advantage to to say you know to go two weeks in or two games in a row against one team you can really kind of adjust to something and self-scout in a different way
4: Yeah, or a disadvantage too. I just think that, I really think that, you know, everybody's got great records now, but I really think that we're going to start beating each other up and it's going to, you know, I think that there's more losses coming. Um, I will say this too, even though I I don't think the Eagles are frauds, I think that they're actually a good football team and, and uh, you're absolutely right. You know, they've been on the the more fortunate side, Uh, but I do think that. It's going to be really ch- interesting to see how things play out with with all these divisional games. And, I, I mean, even with the loss to Green Bay, the Cowboys are right back in the thick of things. And we we, sh- we should feel pretty good about that if, if we can just get our act together.
2: Mm. All right. So we have reached the point in time for the first duel. I know a lot of you are confused about the rules. Whatever. All right. These are sacred rules that I did not make up. All right, I'm just executing them as our founding fathers here at Blogging the Boys uh, laid them out long ago. Dan, you were there. Um, you were, were I don't remember any of this. Right, I know. Uh, but the first duel, we have Tony versus Brandon. Tony, you are the leader of the pack so far, right now, with thirty points. Brandon, you had fifteen, but I didn't want to make the math awkward, so I gave you an extra point, so we're at sixteen now. Because you, you know, whatever. So, Tony, if you lose then that means that Brandon gets 15 points from you. He can almost double his score on the night. Brandon, if you lose, Tony gets half of your total, which is eight to this point in time. Your subject and our judges here tonight, and they can and will be influenced by the comment section. Is it fair to hold Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb both accountable cd lamb finished sunday afternoon with a obviously tremendous box score stat sheet performance but there's some question about whether he's a true wide receiver one blah 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 dak prescott similar sort of thing the interceptions not his fault but at the end of the day dak prescott got to touch the ball twice with an opportunity to win the game and he could not do it halman you get to pick who goes first i'm gonna give brandon the first shot brandon the floor is yours
1: thanks halman I mean, I think if anyone's going to be held accountable between the two, I can't go both. I just can't do both. Dak Prescott, to me, is the one that's got to be the most count- held accountable because he—he's the quarterback. He's—he's the—he's the, the field general. Everything runs through, through through Dak Prescott, and his performance overall just wasn't uh, wasn't up to snuff. I mean, yes, he threw some, he threw a few touchdown passes, but he threw two inexplicable inexplicable interceptions to the same guy, no less. And uh, his total percentage, you know, for completion was. Uh, 58% and uh, almost 59%. So he, he wasn't even hitting 60% of his, uh of his throws. And he was, he threw the ball 46 times, which last time I checked when quarterbacks are getting closer to that 50 attempt range, it's usually not a good thing uh, when it comes to wins and losses. So to me, it's, you know, Dak Prescott, I think, I, I think what they needed to do is, is find more balance And I think, I think the best way for Dak Prescott to to be more effective is they got to cut his passing total down to like his his attempts to like 30, 30 to 35 at max, and they need to run the ball more. I know Zeke's been out, but Malik Davis showed some things and obviously Tony Pollard, you know, showed some things. So, you know, it's, it's gotta be more balanced. I I, I just don't think throwing 46 times in a game uh, against anybody is not a good thing. Now, just to, to, you know, add to CD, CD to me. Eleven grabs, 150 yards. I mean, I mean, he had a hell of a game. I, I'm a, a, as you can see, I'm rocking the 8-8. So I mean, CD Lamb to me is a he's a wide receiver one. I don't I don't care what anybody says. I, I know it was the first 100-yard uh, receiving game, you know, uh, this year. So I mean, CD Lamb is you know he is a he is a proven commodity, and I I I, I can't hold, hold him accountable because here's the thing, he, he's he's doing what he's supposed to do. And, and Dak, Dak just needs to keep delivering the nice passes to him. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Dak, not CD. Not, it's it's definitely not both. So.
2: so your official position, just to make sure we're, we're all clear here, is um, Dak should be held accountable. CD played well enough to kind of avoid that. Again, I don't want to speak for you. Yeah. This is your duel. Okay. Tony, yeah. it's up to you.
0: Yeah, I think it is fair to hold both of them accountable, to be honest with you. I think the numbers on both sides are a little misleading. Um, yeah, I think, Obviously C.D. Lamb had his best statistical output for a football game and you'd love to see him hit the century mark. Um, you know, like I said, that's something this offense has been is lacking, but he's not without blame. And I think. You know, many people, wide receivers, um, many analysts across the league have, have come to the defense of Dak Prescott in those specific interceptions. Said there were some things that C D Lamb didn't do right or Dalton Schultz didn't help their quarterback in those situations. Like there's so much timing and anticipation for a quarterback to throw these footballs. You know what I mean? They're not they're not gonna just throw it to the man, they're throwing it to a spot, they're throwing it at a time. There's rhythm involved in these throws. So Dak Prescott is not without blame, right? He he has to understand. In those situations where you're, you know, if you're going for seven or six and you're missing out on three for turnovers, yeah, that's a tough situation. That's a big swing. And they capitalized and scored 14 points on both of those situations. So you don't want to see that. But there are some things that we've seen C.D. Lamb over his career early on. The reason why there is a wide receiver one debate is the simple fact that um, C.D. Lamb hasn't like taken his route tree or his route running ability to the next level. There's been challenges in his route running ability, his separation as a whole. This unit has had an issue. So, um, if you could see, and we all watch the game, and you could see the team, and you know, when they cut to the, the sideline, you see CD Lamb arguing with Dalton Schultz, telling Dalton Schultz, like, we got to figure this out. Then Dak coming over and having that conversation with both of them, you know, and not putting the blame on them. But it's like, hey, there's an issue here. There's no reason why both of you guys should be within the three, four yards of each other consistently all football games. So, I think it's disingenuous and, and not accurate to say that they both don't hold some accountability. Again, the numbers are going to be skewed. They played five quarters of football. So if Dak Prescott's thrown the ball 46 times in five quarters, it's not the same as him doing it in four and CD Lamb hitting 150, whatever yards in a five quarter situation. It's 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 a little different. Again, you know, I I'm, to round it all about and not repeat myself. I think they both hold some accountability for what happened on uh, Sunday night.
2: Danny, you're first. And again, you and Howman have to reach a consensus. Um, you and Howman actually both have 20 points. Um, so if you are unable to reach a consensus, both Tony and Brandon will each receive
4: 20 points. So it's up to you, Danny. So I was going to go with Brandon because I think that the, his his final answer is more correct in the sense that I, I, I would give it more towards Dak, more blame towards him. But I really think that uh, Tony's explanation was was very well put together. So I, I give credit for showing your work. So I, I'm, I'm going to lean towards uh, Mr. Catalina on this one.
2: Look at Tony chugging the Coke while Like he's nervous. He's sweating. He's, <laughs> this is a duel. I mean, it's it's intense. Okay, so that's one vote for Tony. Uh, Howman, again, you know, you can sway Danny. I mean, you know, you don't have to just think like, if I don't vote for Tony, I'm losing all my points. You guys can debate this. Like, you know, there, there's a chance for that as well. We're not
4: going to agree, RJ.
2: <laughs> so uh, Howman, who, um, who wins this duel?
3: Well, it's funny because I, I, I don't agree with what what Danny said, but I agree with his ultimate outcome. I'm, I'm <laughs> casting my vote for Tony, but I, I, I am of the opinion that that both of them have to be held accountable. I would lean more towards CD Lamb. So, um, you know, you're you're a receiver. You got to help out your quarterback. You got to run the right route. Um, Tony kind of, kind of hit on that similar situation with Dalton Schultz on that first interception. So, um. Ultimately we come to the same point of casting the vote for Tony. I'm sorry
1: Brandon.
2: Brandon, do you yeah, yeah. um do you cool. regret wearing that jersey? Maybe that emotionally yeah. swayed you tonight. Not, you know, maybe you were unable to be impartial and objective.
1: Not at all. I'm just going to add a little bit to that that conversation uh, with uh, Dalton Schultz and CD Lamb and, and Dak. It, honestly it looked like it looked like Dak was a little bit more upset with Dalton Schultz to be fair. So I just wanted to add that piece and I don't I don't at the end of the day CD CD's running I think he's still running pretty good routes and I I've seen Dak miss some very easy makeable throws, especially across the middle that have led led to interceptions that for a forty million dollar quarterback is inexcusable. So I I stand pat. I think it's it's definitely it's definitely more on Dak's side than C D.
2: Tony, Brandon, you both took some heat for a moment. So a brief uh, point for Howman and Danny, um, you guys, Kevin has assigned you each a minus five point chip uh, for not holding Michael Gallup accountable. I'm just kind of like getting to the point here with this comment. Um, do you feel like Michael Gallup is avoiding criticism, Howman? Like, like I mean, I think CD Lamb. I like think we all, I guess except for Brandon, agree that is is worthy of some criticism, but Michael Gallup's kind of skating by without anybody talking about him and gets the like, i don't want to call it an excuse but like of, of coming back from the injury what can you
3: expect like no you're on the field man you got to produce too i mean yeah i think i think he does deserve some level of leniency because you know it's an acl tear that he's coming back from and yeah he's playing but at the same time you can tell you you've been able to tell he's not he's not all the way recovered even if he's able to play um so i think that factors into it um but at the same time you know he's not performing as well, but he's also not the guy that this front office told us all off season is going to be the guy is going to be the focal point of the offense. So he hasn't been handed those expectations CD has. And so when he makes those mistakes, it just stings a little bit more.
2: Danny.
4: I, it's really tough to say. Cause I, you know, without looking at things closer, I, I didn't really see anything that Gallup was doing wrong. I thought for, for the, the place he was involved with that he, he was fine. Um, I do think that, the reason that I think that it falls more on Prescott obviously is his CD was was the blame for not crossing the face on the pick, and Schultz was the blame for not going out deeper on the, in the, in the pick in the end zone. But I think that if you look overall at the, at the, the plays, there's just more times where Prescott was just a little frazzled and his feet wasn't set, and he's kind of rushing things. And you know, he every time he he holds onto the ball a little too long, you know that things good things tend to not happen. And I just, he didn't seem like he was comfortable for whatever reason. So to me, I just think that, you know, he, he threw three touchdowns. Great. I mean, we know Dak's a great quarterback and this is never about that, but I I do think that in a game like that, you, you kind of want him to be a little bit better. And, and to me, I'm, I think that that's why Prescott is just a little bit more, uh, should be held a little bit more accountable for this one.
2: Well said. All right, uh, Tony, congratulations on winning the first duel. You are in pole position here on this roundtable. It's been a while since you've been able to lane this plane. Um, you know, Hopefully, tonight's your night. That's all we'll say. So you have 38 points, Tony, by way of stealing or, or earning half of Brandon's. But what I meant is you have to get to 40 organically for the next duel to happen. So you're 10 points away from the next duel uh, taking place. So that being said, let's, um, let's start with Danny and Howman again here. Um, and Howman, I'll go to you first. How panicked, and we'll ask the, the audiences too that's here with us live. How panicked will you be on Thanksgiving if the Cowboys lose on Sunday to the Minnesota Vikings and the Giants beat the Detroit Lions? I know you believe, for whatever reason, Howman, in, in the big fraud that is Dan Campbell, um, but still, in all likelihood, the Giants are going to beat them and get to eight and two. Should Dallas lose, the six and four Cowboys will be hosting the eight and two Giants on Thanksgiving Day. So, Define this how you want, 1 to 10, letter grade, whatever. How panicked will you be if this is this is the hypothetical that we're living in? You can't come out and be like, I think the Lions are going to win. No, this is the hypothetical.
3: Yeah, well, first of all, I do think the Lions are going to win, are gonna win uh, but I'm going to answer your question anyway. Um, but uh, no, I, I really wouldn't be too panicked. Um, the caveat there, of course, is how, how they lose that game because obviously if they get sure. absolutely blown out, if they have injuries pile up, you know, then it's – you know, that, that's, you're panicking for a different reason. But, I mean, the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, they, they just beat the Buffalo Bills. So if the Cowboys are also loose to the Vikings, then it's kind of a situation, well, we're, you know, we're in the same situation as the Bills. The Bills are a good team. And, you know, I I, I think that the Vikings are probably a better matchup for the Cowboys than the Packers. Um, for, for starters, they're playing in, in a dome stadium, which is a completely different uh, setup than being in Lambeau Field. Um, but I, I think that, if you lose to the Vikings with what we've seen from, for that team so far, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a bad loss. And then the very next game you get to play with the, the giants, you have another opportunity to get another divisional win. So all you gotta do is, you know, Mike McCarthy always says you win those division games, you're going to be in good shape. Um, so I really wouldn't be too panicked uh, if that's the case. There's plenty of season left, plenty of division games left. Danny. Yeah.
4: Well, for starters, I don't know why, but I'm just not worried about the Giants at all. At all, I, feel I, like- I agree with you, but I feel so bad about this. Like I, I feel horrible. Like I, I mean,
2: it, it just it feels so disrespectful to, to just like not consider them. Like it's not that we're not afraid of them. We, like I don't think that any of us even find them to be relevant, which
4: is again just kind of disrespectful. It is, and that's why I try not to say anything bad about them. But I as say call- it. Drag them. I know. I'm just not going to say anything good. I just. uh I just think that uh, so I wouldn't be. I'm not worried about Thanksgiving game regardless of what happens. But I'll tell you what, I will be panicked if the Cowboys can't well regardless win or lose if they cannot solve some of the the things that's been ailing them. You know, for the better part of a f- you know a few seasons in particular, being able to stop Dalvin Cook and in the running game and or what is our secondary going to look like if if we don't have our our if we have to rely on like Kelvin Joseph and and, and the, the rookie Deron bland I mean. Are we? Is, is Jefferson going to just light us up? So there's, and also too, I I still want more rhythm and we got to remember this is the, what would it be the fourth or this? There, there hasn't been too many games with CD and Dak playing as as CD being the number one guy. So there's still some uh rhythm and chemistry that's got to happen, and I, I that's what I was hoping to look to see in this Green Bay game is just to, is to see more consistency with Prescott and, and kind of work himself towards that first half tooth, you know, of last season. So if I don't, if, if I see those kind of things, that's where the panic will set in. Because to me, it's going to be like, here we go again, here we go. It's This is what's gonna happen regardless of where we get through the season. We're not going to be able to contain the outside when, when the 49ers are running to the outside or something, I don't know. So that's where the panic will be. Uh, certainly not with the, with the New York giants.
2: I'm going to amend this question. Um, and I'm going to ask, just for some head nods first. um, Do we feel like this three game stretch, Green Bay, Minnesota, New York is like, we're, we're progressively getting less scared as those games go along. Is that how, how the group kind of feels like, like being that you're a little bit less afraid of Minnesota than you were of Green Bay, a little bit less afraid of New York than you would be Minnesota. Everybody kind of agree with Brandon, <sighs> you disagree. I do think it's interesting. Just again, this is one way to look at this. Um, Updated DVOA rankings today. The Cowboys still rank fourth in terms of overall team DVOA. The Packers fourteenth. The Vikings seventeenth. And the Giants nineteenth. So that does kind of line up with with like the feel. You know, you're kind of progressively facing some worse opponents. Um, Tony, you did listen to the Trayvon Diggs interview, so um, I did give you five points just for that alone. Everybody should go listen to that interview. And I thought it was so interesting, Tony. And I don't want to spoil it, but he specifically was like hyped about the Vikings. He's his exact words were, "That's the one." We're looking forward to Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson. He talked also in the interview about how he hates coming off of buys and how he feels like that kind of ruins the vibes. It does kind of feel like the Cowboys kind of snapped back in rhythm, and now they're locked and loaded for this Vikings team.
0: Yeah, you know, he said a couple of things there that really intrigued me. With um, You know, he, what did he say? Um, Like, we didn't. This, he said something about the Packers loss being a good thing, right? It kind of woke him up. He said
2: it didn't happen to us, it happened for us.
0: Right. And I thought that was really insightful for him, you know, a third year player to have that kind of insight off a loss. Like, Like, I I totally agree. He he, and based on his words, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, just but based on the way he sound like it, it sounds like either him or the people in that locker room feel that the Vikings are the measuring stick in this league. You know, with them being eight and one, they might I think in that locker room, they might think that they're the best team in the league. And I think them, you know, being they want to kind of shake it off and win that football game and be talked about in that same breath. I think that they all feel that this game is that game. And, you know, for, for him to come out and say something like that, it was kind of a breath of fresh air there. And um understands understands Like, I don't think they took the Packers game lightly. And obviously, there's a lot of emotion involved in it. But there is something to be said. Like he said, they come out of the bye week a little sluggish. But now they kind of got punched in the face a little bit. And they, And they're looking to take it out on Minnesota. So based on those words, I was pretty pumped up about at least what I think that locker room feels about this week.
2: Brandon, it does kind of, I mean, it was obvious that the Green Bay was a big game for Mike McCarthy. I made it very well known how it was a big game for me. All you losers were were too afraid to say that, whatever, that's fine. Um, but it, to Tony's point, and I guess to Trayvon's point, it kind of feels like the Vikings game is the big game for them. They're like, who cares about this Packers team? Yeah, we lost, but like that, those are those are the battles and the scars and the wounds of past teams, right? Like We're, we're not here to fight the fights uh, of our forefathers and, and the the people that came before us. We're here to fight this fight, and this fight is concerned with the Minnesota Vikings.
1: Yeah, I mean, an 8-1 Minnesota Vikings who uh, arguably – the that, that Bills game they just had was one of the best games I've seen in a long time. I mean, I can't I I couldn't believe the the back and forth. I mean, Justin Jefferson, I mean, I always call Micah Parsons a unicorn. I mean, Justin Jefferson's a unicorn. I mean, the the, the kids just has had so much talent. I still can't figure out on that fourth and long where he just made that grab where it looked like the defender was gonna pick it off and he just somehow one handed and then came down with it. I mean, it was it was absolutely insane. I think, you know, with, with this Viking game coming up, yes, they're 8-1, and one, but they they have a lot of weapons. I mean, Kirk Cousins can, you know, he's throwing the ball pretty well, and, and, and Justin Jefferson is, is who he is. But Don't forget, Adam Thielen can still play. K.J. Osborne's a good a good player as well. I mean, they got a good trio of receivers. Can't forget about Dobbin Cook. I mean, I mean obviously, he's one of the better running backs in the game, and, and here's the issue. Here's the big elephant in the room. Just not only this game, but you had the Giants game, and you have the Indianapolis Colts game coming up in the next three games. And last time I checked, the, the Cowboys' defense has not really been uh, very good against the run. And those next three games are featuring Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, These but the Colts are frauds. Games.
2: I'm not afraid of the Colts, Brandon. I'm sorry. It's I'm, still Jonathan I'm,
1: Taylor. I uh, I don't. I
2: really uh, don't care. that They're, they're just, in hey, like... The Cowboys will have a week and a half. Uh, I mean, I just you know, I'm very, very, very confident against the, the baby. I'm, I'm
1: very confident they're gonna win the game, but I don't think Jonathan Taylor walks, you know, I don't think he leaves that game without 100 yards. I just that's, that's just great.
2: Daily fantasy, prop picks, whatever you want to do. I mean, go all in on Jonathan Taylor. Um, I do want to let's let's kind of spin optimistically as, as we get close to the final duel of the night, by the way. Um, and we'll go same order. Uh, we'll start with you, Howman. This is a big game in the sense that we talked about how significant it was that Philadelphia lost to Washington specifically. There was a comment uh, a moment ago from Roy, Texas 26. that says these conference games could end up costing us. That's the negative side of the spectrum. We're all putting our happy hats on here. You win this game. I mean, you give yourself a tiebreaker for the potential number one seed in the NFC. How I mean, like if, if, if things do, if the Eagles lose another game and the Cowboys control their own destiny, the Cowboys are very much in position to potentially win the first round by in the NFC, with a game in hand against the Minnesota Vikings and establish that tiebreaker or equalize that tiebreaker against the Eagles because they beat them earlier this season.
3: Yeah, obviously it's, it's a huge, huge opportunity. Um, You know, there's still, I mean, there's a lot of season left. Like I said earlier, there's a whole lot of different things that can happen for the Cowboys to the Eagles, what have you. Um, But I think also just the fact that the Vikings are, you know, they they have such a great record. They just beat the Buffalo Bills, who was pretty much everybody's consensus pick to at least reach the Super Bowl, if not win it outright before the season started. Um, so, you know, if they're able to go out and get this win, not only does it, you know, help with all of the calculus for getting to that number one seed in the NFC, but it's also, it can be a bit of a statement game too, of like, yeah, we lost in overtime to Aaron Rodgers. We should have won that game, but here's how he responded. We came out against the team that's now tied for the best record in the NFL, and we, we beat them in their own stadium. And if, if they're able to do it in even a slightly convincing fashion, that's even better because I think it boosts everyone's confidence in the kind of sentiment that Trayvon Diggs was saying about like, you know, it, this game is going to help us get better. Um, so that could really be the launching point for this whole team going forward.
2: Jose brings up a great point with what Trayvon said in the interview. Do we want the buy? Um, that's a future us problem, Jose. We'll worry about that when we get there. Um, quick question I just want one very quick answer from all of you Howman, who's the worst division in the NFL right now today
3: Uh, AFC South Danny yeah
2: same Um, Tony yep Brandon are we going 4 for 4 okay so 4 for 4 Danny, obviously if the Cowboys win these next two games that week and a half before the Colts game, we're cruising. We're on easy street, right? Like it's, it's, you know, Kumbaya, let's get pumped. You know, maybe the Eagles drop on between now and then to add to the festivities and whatnot of the final six games of the season, four of them for the Cowboys are against the AFC South. They are the, we're, we sit here and we talk about the, the NFC East and the NFC beast and all this stuff. They're the only team in the division who has yet to play an AFC South team. I mean, that that soft landing spot is waiting for them. You can make an argument, I guess, Danny. That this is—I don't say this is the season. That that's an exaggeration, but th- this is a critical point between now and next Thursday night is going to massively swing things positively, negatively, or keep them status quo for Dallas
4: right now. I I do think so, and I think you know one of the reasons too is you know and Brandon mentioned this a little bit as far as like with with Cook and Barkley and then and, and um, Jonathan Taylor. I think. But one thing about you know the Cowboys, if you have a quarterback that can threaten, just just be a threat. You know, like Justin Fields was was a threat, and, and um, you know Aaron Rodgers is for sure. You know, he has that big playmaking ability. Then that's what really makes the running game even more difficult because you can't sh- focus on those guys. Like we're going to shut down. I mean, the, the Colts, I'm not worried about it. Same thing with the Giants too, because I'm not scared of Daniel Jones. But if you look at Minnesota and and the weapons that that um kirk cousins has with jefferson and also with tj hawkinson remember he's there now so i think that if the cowboys can come out there and play a really good a, a team that has a lot of balance and force them to you know stop in different ways i think that that i mean that is a a great message i think that it, it it tells us that this cowboys could be one could be a le- legit contender and i think it's absolutely crucial as as unexcited as I was for the Packers game last week, I'm equally as excited for this game because I just feel like it's, this is, you know, it's a, it's a big game. against a team that's one of the top records and the Cowboys really need this. They, they don't just need to win, but they need to just show that they are a better team than the Vikings. And so I, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's going to get soft later, but this is very important for the Cowboys to come out and just, Remind people that we, hey we, guys, we still are good. I know what happened, but we are still are good. So, uh, we we really need this one on Sunday. Tony, um, it does kind of
2: feel like I mentioned next Thursday night, next Sunday night. So not this coming week, but next Sunday, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, the Philadelphia Eagles host the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. I don't think any of us walked away from last Sunday thinking the Packers are a good team, um, but obviously they can win games, and so it's very possible that Dallas gets to this little gauntlet. And that all of a sudden, as the calendar turns to December, as the Christmas music starts, we're hearing those sleigh bells jingling and ring, ting, tingling.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're totally right. I mean, I, the, the thing really is
2: joyful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you, the, the problem is, well, not the problem is, I've already started listening to Christmas music, so I'm all in. But um, <laughs> I say that to say, like, the Packers can beat anybody. I mean, when you get Aaron Rodgers, if Christian Watson is somebody that's kind of you know, like now getting confident and like maybe it takes going against Aaron Bland and Kelvin Joseph and Anthony Brown to do that, but um, you know the Packers weren't as bad as that five game losing streak is. I don't know if they're like the Packers of old and they're really somebody that's going to, you know, even make the playoffs at this point, but they're a team that will probably be a tough out and be in a challenge week to week for teams. So if you're telling me the Eagles can lose that game, I absolutely agree with that. Um, but the, this next week against the Vikings, you, you try not to make every game so important. But if you look at the schedule and you look at the records, seven and three feels a lot different than six and four. Right. So if you can get to Thanksgiving, seven and three, we're not worried about the Giants. But at the same time, like the Giants are a, a decent football team, but I think we're a better one. So if you can come out of Thanksgiving, eight and three and, you know, kind of move forward. And I'm not trying to move too forward in front of that. But like this Packers game, the the, the bad taste in our mouth can be. in a, in a a seven day, 10 day swing, we could really have that gone over the next couple of games. But so it is important. I think this might be the most important stretch of the season. Brandon, to
2: Tony's point, um, I mean, things, things change fast, right? Like, like two weeks ago, feels like, like the bears game feels like five years ago at this point for the Cowboys. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, if Cowboys win these next two, you could argue that that would be kind of a, a higher feeling than even the four game win streak that Cooper Rush authored.
1: Oh, absolutely. Given given the uh, the opponents, I mean, an eight and one Vikings team, and I mean, I know a lot of you guys don't uh, give the Giants, uh, you know, a little bit of their due, but they're, I mean, I think they're a quality football team. So, I mean, walking you know, walking away with those next two games with wins, I think I think the confidence for the Cowboys are, is going to be through the roof. And um, I you know, I'm really excited for this this eight and one Vikings matchup. I think it's going to be a lot of fun going to be a close, I think it's going to be a close game. I, I think, I think Dallas pulls it out. I just think, I, I think it's just going to be super close. If, Cal- if the Cowboys can alleviate some of those mental errors, which have been proven not to happen, but if they can correct those and not have as many mental errors, I, I think the Cowboys can, uh, uh, you know, uh, leave Minnesota with, uh, with a victory. And, uh, you know, I, I, the Giants game coming up, that's, don't sleep on the Giants. I mean, Daniel Jones is who he is but Brian Dable is a, is one heck of a coach. He's already proven to be a very good coach. He's under that Nick Saban uh, coaching tree and uh, Joe Sheen and came from the Buffalo Bills as the uh, assistant GM, now the GM of the Giants. Uh, the Giants are, you know, I hate to say it, you know, I, I can't, I, I could can never ever root for the Giants, but I got to give them a little credit for what they're doing and how they scheme things up for Daniel Jones. They're using him to the best of his ability and he's throwing about 66% of his passes completed. So, I mean, he's, He's looking He's looking a lot better than uh, the Daniel Jones we're used to seeing. So, overall, Minnesota Vikings, New York Giants, it's going to be an interesting stretch.
2: Mm, um, all right. That wraps up the open forum portion of the round table. We have one final duel to go. Brandon, you made a charge over the second half of things after you lost the first duel, so you actually don't have the fewest amount of points at this point in time. Tony, you reached 40 organically first. Uh, which means you will be dueling the person who has the fewest amount of points to this point in the conversation, and that is David Halman. So, Tony, you have 48 points to your name. Halman, you have 30 points to your name. The winner gets half of the opponent's point total. The loser loses half of their points. And again, Danny, Brandon, you will decide who wins this roundtable if you refuse. If you cannot reach a consensus, you will forfeit all of your points to be split between Halman and Tony. Remember, we do pick a winner, so there can be some strategy involved here. Brandon, you have a question before we begin. Yeah, what's
1: uh, what did Danny and I have for points?
2: Um, Danny has 35, and you have 30 – I'm sorry, 33 at this point in time. So you did make a late charge um, sure. at this point. That's a good question. Um, we're past the point-giving part of the game, but um, if we weren't, you would have gotten some points for this. Howman, um, do you feel like you can take Tony's title? This is a chance. To- if Tony wins this, it's his night. Running away. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for the battle. Tony, you are so close. I mean, it, the ball's in your hands. One fourth quarter closeout drive. You're up by 10 points. Go score right here, and, and you can ice things out.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd probably have to hit Tony Pollard on the left side there to convert, but we'll see what happens.
2: Um, all right. So we have spun forward towards the Vikings game, but this game has to do with the Packers loss. Danny, you will choose who handles this question. First, who deserves more blame for green Bay, Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn and Danny, Brandon, for your grading purposes, for the chat's grading purposes, they have to choose. This is not like the previous duel where we talked about both, Dak, CD, whatever. They have to pick one. Who deserves more? Fifty-one doesn't matter. It has to be more. They have to defend their case. Danny, pick who goes first, and explain why you have chosen that person, please.
4: So, since Tony has an 18-point lead, I want to give Howman a chance to come back first. So I'm going to go with Hellman first. Okay.
3: All right. Well, um, who deserves more blame for, the, for this question? Uh, I never thought I would say this, but I have to go with Dan Quinn. Um, and I I've been a huge fan of Dan Quinn since the Cowboys hired him. I was even a fan of him before when he was coaching with the Falcons and overall, he's done a great job with this defense. That's undeniable, but you come into this game against the Packers and you know what they're going to do. They like to run the ball. They're, they're running the ball at a high rate. They actually have one of the slowest offenses in the NFL, regardless of whether they're losing, whether they're winning. They, they just take their time. They run the ball. And, you know, you look at how many points they've been scoring in other games, you kind of see why that is. But this is a Cowboys defense that has struggled with the run. The last game that they played was against the Bears, another team that loves to run it. And they got run all over in that game. And interestingly enough, the offensive coordinator for Chicago is the same – Runs the same scheme. He was a QB coach in Green Bay a year ago. And so it's a very similar scheme. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be doing what Justin Fields does. But you know what what kind of runs you're getting. You know what you got to fix. You know what you got to shore up. And what we saw was they're still getting those big runs to the outside. The guys were not in the right position. Linebackers were slow to react. Even Micah Parsons, who's been phenomenal all year, he's playing off-ball linebacker, which he's not really used to at this point. And he, even he looked slow in some points. It looked like he was a little unsure what he was doing. They're running a bunch of stunts up on the defensive line that they're taking advantage of, creating huge holes for the running backs to go through. And it just felt like like Dan Quinn just was completely unprepared and outcoached in this game, which we're not used to seeing. So it was a little surprising. And I think you know, relative to the expectations we've come to have for both Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore, Quinn kind of fell below those expectations. So for me, I think he deserves a little bit more blame.
2: All right, Tony, uh, once again, the question is who deserves more blame for Green Bay, Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn? This is not a game where you have to pick the opposing side, um, but Dan did kind of screw you a little bit by letting Helman go first. If your answer is Dan Quinn, because it's going to be kind of hard to outdo that, but the challenge is yours. Tony Catalina.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna accept the challenge because the right answer is Dan Quinn. I don't think um, it's an effort thing. I don't think it's an unprepared thing. I think it might just be an overcomplicated thing. Uh, you have a Damone Clark guy who has didn't even play preseason football, didn't play training camp. A guy he's he's you know you know wet behind the ears. He's young, He's he's somebody that's new. He's fresh, and you got him out there playing meaningful snaps, and they're still running the defensive scheme in a way. That is, you know, you would think it's veterans back there. You got De'Ron Bland, you got Kelvin Joseph, Anthony Brown isn't there, Jordan Luce isn't there. They don't have the same guys that, you know, you could roll out there early on that we're so, you know, accustomed to seeing making plays and just being a steady hand. I think a lot of these times, and we saw it when Aaron Jones hit the big touchdown, Dave, uh, you know, Hammond alluded to it. There were some stunts and there were some things there that just were miscommunications, whether it was Dante Fowler, excuse me, didn't come on the, you know the te and come with the twist there and left the open, an open gaping thing. I think just he has to get back a little bit, bring the play back. Playbook back a little bit, allow him to uh, let this defense play a little more freely. Let him think less. You know, go out there and play football. So Dan Quinn, it, you know, the, the recipe for the Cowboys is out there. You can run the football on them. You can kind of you can impose your will a little bit. Um, you know, again, Howman with the, the Micah Parsons playing a more traditional off the ball linebacker situation due to injuries, due to you know schematic things, whatever the case may be. That is not getting the best use of one of the best, if not the most dynamic defensive players in the NFL. So. To To have him here and and, and not be able to rush the passer and kind of neutralize him organically without the team really having to do it is a challenge. I think there's some things that Dan Quinn need to kind of draw back, simplify, and uh, until they're able to stop the run and do it in a consistent level, the teams are going to attack the Cowboys that way. And, uh, and, you know, I think it was Mike McCarthy who said it, like rushing the passer is a privilege at this point. And until they're able to actually earn that right, teams are going to keep running the football, and that starts with Dan Quinn.
2: Wow. Uh, very spirited uh, second duel. Tony has now been through both of the duels on the night. So, uh, a, a bit of a badge of honor in that sense, Tony Catalina. Uh, Brandon, you were the one who asked what the point totals were. Um, so, if you did do the mental math, should Hellman win this duel, then he will win the round table. Should Tony win this duel, then he will win the round table. So, you and Danny are not only deciding who wins the duel, you are deciding who wins the round table. So, with that being said, that pressure set, Brandon Clemens, who won the duel, David Hallman or Tony Catalina? Both of them voted for Dan Quinn, so it's which argument you preferred.
1: Yeah, and actually, real quick, I, I disagree with them both. I, I'm, I was, I'm on the <laughs> Calum Moore side of the fence. Oh. <laughs> so, so I just, I'm sorry, I can't. I, the 46 is past times. I just can't get over that when when uh, Malik <laughs> Davis and, and Tony Pollard were running, you know, for over five yards of carry. So I, I got to go on the other side of the fence. But to that point, you both, you both made great points but I got to go with Halman. Sorry Tony, I think Halman just he just gave it a, made it made me feel a little bit more towards Dan Quinn than I thought I would be.
2: So, um, Danny, let me set the table properly for this now because Brandon has voted for Halman if you cannot reach a consensus. You you can kind of rig this if you really want. If you cannot reach a consensus, your points, yours and Brandon's will be split between Tony and Halman, which would mean that Tony wins the round table. If you agree with Brandon, though, that would mean Howman wins the round table or wins the duel and then effectively wins the round table. You can throw the judging of the duel, if you'd like, in the name of accomplishing the greater good in your eyes, if you believe that Tony is deserving. But of course, uh, it is up to you. Danny, all of the drama is set straight up on you. Bring us home.
4: So, like I do with anything, I made my decision before I heard Brandon talk and and honestly um, i'm i'm glad i did too but i will say this you know Halman came in there despite being down and he threw some dimes to come back on this one and so i mean i have to give him props for for that but i also want to say that tony you know he did not succumb to pressure and he went for it on fourth down and instead of coming up short i think he did a draw and pauler took it to the house i think that the 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 points made about um, c- keeping things simple and not having those guys think too much and u- using Micah Parsons for what he's should be used for at on the edge is, is a great point too. And so I, I think it's super close, but I just, you know, I'm sorry. We can't come to a consensus. I am going to, to give it to, to Tony. So what that means
2: is you have not come to a consensus. So Dan, Brandon, your points have been split in half allotted to Tony allotted to Halman, which means Tony Catalina, you are our round table winner. you also won the first duel. so you have two titles this evening duel one and btB roundtable winner Tony Catalina. Tony, how do you feel are, are you flattered that that Dan skirted the rules to help you win like where, where where's your head at right now? Do you feel bad at all for Halman?
0: I got a lot of emotions right now, you know, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, honestly, you know, it was a really good round table, a lot of good points. And, um, you know, I, I love doing these because I, I get smarter every time I'm here. So to be able to win a round table with a bunch of you guys, it, it feels good. Honestly.
2: To be fair, though, Tony, given that I had to miss part of it, this one has a bit of an asterisk, right? Like it's not like a real round table.
0: <laughs> I
2: mean, <laughs> does it feel that way to you? Does it feel a bit inauthentic? Do you, do you feel like you the won the Super time. Bowl this season Tom Brady was injured kind of thing? I mean. A win's a win. <laughs> wow. How, how do you feel about this? It was a really dramatic finish. You had it. You had it seemingly. In fact, I think that Danny thinks you should have won, but rigged the whole, you know, shebang.
3: Yeah, it, it oddly kind of feels like the game last night where, you know, there, there was that fumble where there's clearly a face mask and, you know, his head's getting ripped off. And, you know, so I kind of feel like the Eagles and that's just a dirty feeling. So I don't like it. Uh,
2: Brandon, you lost the first duel and you cast your vote for the person who lost um, in the grand scheme of things. Um, just not a great. Not a great night of selections, and you were the. You, it was really you started off on a left foot when you wouldn't pick somebody, which is what the crowd said. You know,
1: that's okay. I'm okay Gotta have some them. more conviction. It.
2: You know, Danny, <laughs> you put a hood on, and you really kind of embodied that spirit. This whole the podcast audience isn't isn't seeing this, but you really kind of embodied this sort of like pot stirrer here on this episode.
4: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I hate surrendering my points, but I don't think Brandon deserved them after that last answer. So. um <laughs> Brandon, this man, this man hugged you oh. with a grenade
2: strapped to his body. I mean, like, he took you down. Yeah. Not Brandon, you finished you actually finished the game with zero points because of Danny Phantom. Oh,
1: geez the ways. That's all right. I guess I go to the record books books for that, I guess.
2: Um, Tony Kevin has said the winner has to make a sound tonight to end the show. Correct? Um, look, I'm a man of honor, I'm a man of integrity. And Tony has made a lot of terrible sounds, although he had a great chicken sound um, last week. Uh, that being said, Tony, as the you know roundtable winner, I mean, you're kind of like the Eagles right now with this like 8-0 record, you know, because I've had to miss some of this. Um, so whatever. Uh, too many. We're comparing too many things to the Eagles. Halman, I'm glad that you lost because you started my train of thought down that line. Um, so, Tony, um, as the winner, you get to pick somebody that is not me to make a random sound. We've done animals, so if you can avoid that, please, like, give us a non-animal sound that the person has to make. Uh, it's up to you. You can pick whoever you want. Um, make it good. All
0: right. Give... Uh, wanna, I want to... I want to hear um, a turkey gobble. I just this-
2: said not to do animals. Like, literally... Oh,
0: ju- <laughs> my bad. All right. Hold on. Um. And those are literally the words that I just said. I, I, I. All right. Hold on. Let me think. Make a... uh Make a, a grinding the gears on a standard vehicle. You can't. You, you pop the clutch, and I want Brandon to do it.
1: Oh God! <laughs> oh, God. Clunk, clunk, clunk. <laughs> <laughs> Was was that it? No? <laughs> uh, that's how it was when I first tried to do it uh, on the <laughs>